Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. I'm excited to be here with you this morning. My name's Andrew, and I am a son of this congregation. This is my church home, and it is good to be home. It is good to be with you this morning. Uh, This past year, I've been serving as pastor out in the Pacific Northwest. Me and my wife went out there as part of my seminary education. And it was a tremendous experience. Lots of learning, lots of loving, lots of mission happening out in the Northwest. But i got to tell you, being out there has taught me a lot of things. One of which I wanted to share with you this morning, because it has to do with Christ Church. And it is this. This church, this church is special. It is unique. And God is up to some some incredible things right here in the Midwest. And I am pleased to go out to the Pacific Northwest and think fondly of God's activity here, knowing that God is active and doing incredible things. So I thank you for your continued support. This coming year, I'll be returning back to my final year of seminary. I'm excited to be up in the Twin Cities. I ask for your prayers, and we're going to be talking a lot about prayer this morning. So I do ask for your, for your continued prayers. I thank you for your continued prayers over these past three years of my education and ask for that last, that final fourth one. So, so speaking of prayer, that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Pastor Bob shared with me that we've been studying parables here. Parables. Oh, got to love parables, right? We've been studying parables here. And I'm, I'm familiar with a rather obscure parable that you may not be familiar with. Uh, it's one that I've, I've kind of stumbled across within Scripture. And so we're going to bring that out. And we're going to look at it. And we're going to look at it within the context with which it is spoken. And it's got a lot to do with prayer. So uh, I'm going to read through the text. And then we are going to dive in. So here we go. If I can work this stuff. Here we go. All right. The text this morning comes to us from uh, Luke 11. The first, uh, uh, first 11 verses of Luke 11. Maybe. There it is. Okay, here we go. All right. He, that is Jesus, we're talking about Jesus. He, that is Jesus, was praying in a certain place. And after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Well, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. Next slide. And he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend. This is the parable. Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived. I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked. My children are with me in bed. I'm not going to get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Search and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? I would hope not. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit 
to those who ask him. Oh, this has a lot to do with prayer. Show of hands, how many of you have ever prayed before? Come on, every hand should be up, right? We just like, just pray. So you got that far, right? Okay. Now, okay, here you go. Show of hands, how many of you believe in prayer? Now, that's a different kind of question. That one's actually much harder to answer and to respond to. Prayer is an interesting topic. But it often comes across as one of those things that we always need to do more and be better at. Right? When, when people talk about prayer, it's like, oh, I've got to be better at that, and I've got to do that more, and I've got to increase my prayer life, and I've got to do it more. You know what I'm talking about? You've experienced that. You've heard that. You've felt that pressure. Well, personally, I knew I needed to get better at prayer when I first started dating my wife. Now, before your mind goes too far, I learned... I learned that sharing my aspirations for becoming a pastor meant that her parents would invite me at every single meal to say table grace. And so I got really good at prayer really fast, let me tell you. I was doing a whole lot of praying. You know, for most people, I think prayer is tough. Most people, whether by accident or by purpose, treat prayer as if there's a right or wrong way to do it. Listen to the disciples. How do we pray? How do we do this? There must be a right and a wrong way. So we come up with a formula. If I say these words in this order, with this good intent behind it, well, surely then my prayer will come true. I mean, that's the way it works, right? You add up the formula, boom, the prayer comes true. We treat prayer kind of like a vending machine, where if you put in the right change, the exact change, you punch in the appropriate numbers, bloop, out comes the candy treat. And when the candy treat gets stuck, or the machine eats our money, and we get nothing, well, we start hitting the machine, and we use profanities, and we do everything within our power to get it to give us what we want. No one has ever done that before. Really? I mean, I have, right? This is the way that we tend to treat prayer. We try to force God to give us what we want. But the reality is that most of us take prayer seriously only when something truly tragic happens in our lives. A brother has cancer and his sister prays for healing. A young girl is sexually abused and prays that it will stop. A man prays that he won't lose his job to a younger man with a newer degree. These are good prayers. But what happens when the brother dies and the girl continues to be abused and the younger man ousts the older one from his job? People are left to grasp at shallow cliches like, God answered your prayer this way for a reason. Or, you didn't pray the way you were supposed to. Or even, you probably have heard this, you should have just prayed harder. And we are left to wonder what went wrong with our prayer. Does prayer really work? Do I really believe in prayer? In the text that we read today, Jesus gives us a three-part teaching on prayer. Three parts. He gives us an example He gives us a parable, and then he gives us some sayings. 
three parts. He uses each of them to turn our attention away from how to pray. And he instead shifts our focus. He shifts our focus towards who we pray to. Who is it? Who is this God that we pray to? Let's look again at the text. You can see if we go right there in the first slide. Jesus himself finishes praying. The disciples pounce on him. Lord, teach us to pray. Want to know how to do this? I want to know how to do it right. If I'm going to pray, it better be the right kind of prayer. And Jesus immediately, I mean, you can just picture this, right? Jesus kind of smiling and thinking, oi. He's Jewish. You got to picture him smiling and thinking this and saying, man, guys, when you pray, when you pray, start like this. Father. Father. Dad. Abba. Father, can we talk? That's how you want to start praying. You see, from the get-go, it's not so much about calling on God with the right title, the right phrase, the right formality. It's more about recognizing God as a father. It's about stepping into that intimate space and seeing God as a loving father, a dad. Dad? I need food. Dad, I need help. Dad, I need forgiveness. I really messed up. You see, Jesus is using this moment to clarify our understanding of prayer. And by clarifying our understanding of who it is we pray to. When you pray, say, Father. Hallowed be thy name. I have to pause here and, and, and be honest. This is a difficult thing, using the word father. It's a difficult thing because not all of us have had fatherly fathers in the human biological context. When it comes to calling uh, the understanding of what, what, what the word father means, it's my opinion that when we open up the dictionary and we see the word father... It should not be defined by our human biological parents. Instead, it should say, see God. That's what it should say in the dictionary. You see, when we call our biological parents father, it's because they are acting, living, and loving like their heavenly father. We should linguistically be comparing our biological parents to God, not God to our biological parents. A person who acts fatherly, a person acts fatherly when he displays the characteristics of your heavenly father. He was father first. He is what it means to be a father. If your relationship to your biological father do not look like your relationship to God, I'm sorry. But I want you to know that God is a heavenly Father characterized by love, characterized by 
intimacy and peace. You see, it makes it that much more important this morning that you see Jesus wants you to experience a true and right, a holy and precious relationship that is father and child, God and you. To help us further understand that relationship of father and child, to help clarify for us, because not all of us have had good experiences, Jesus gives us a parable, and this is where we dive into the parable. Next slide, please. Uh, Basically, a guy comes in the middle of the night, rapping on the door, and he asks for some loaves of bread. And because of his persistence, we'll get to that. Because of his persistence, the sleepy guy gets up and helps. Now, maybe it's just me, but I empathize with who? Well, the sleepy guy. I mean, come on, really? I'm asleep. I'm in bed. My children are with me in bed. The door is locked. I'm not getting up. I'm grumpy when you wake me up in the middle of the night. Ask my wife. It's not pretty. And so we empathize with this guy. And so we understand the parable through that lens. He's being rude and he's interrupting my sleep. As a result, we gravitate towards that word of persistence then. Well, because this guy stuck to it, because he was persistent the sleepy guy got up just to stop him, right? Just so he could go back to sleep. That's the way that we read this parable. But two things. First off, the word persistence in this scripture, in my opinion, is actually a terrible translation. This is my seminary education at work. I can throw around all of these. I can say, I've learned Greek. I, can, I know the ancient text. And so I can tell you this morning that the word persistence, in my opinion, is not a good translation of this word. If you go back to the Greek, I believe the much better translation is shameless. Shameless. A man comes in the middle of the night and he asks shamelessly, without reserve, without hesitation, shamelessly. You see how that can... can, can totally change the paradigm that we're working with there. Second point, second point, you have to keep in mind, you have to bear in mind when reading this parable, that in the Middle East, how important is hospitality on a scale of 1 to 10? You've got 72. Right? Hospitality is of paramount importance in the culture and the life in the Middle East. I mean, what, what, your entire reputation is built around your willingness to extend hospitality. So, for this guy to say, no, I'm in bed, I'm asleep, that has only one word to truly describe it, to capture it. Rude. That's rude. It doesn't matter what time of night. You get up, you get him his bread. It doesn't matter what's going on. You stop what you're doing and you provide your hospitality. That is the cultural peer pressure of the situation. So if a sleepy guy with bad manners is willing to get up and help someone who asks shamelessly, 
simply because of peer pressure and cultural expectation, how much more will your heavenly Father give to you? I mean, if a sleepy guy with bad manners will, how about the Father who loves you and adores you and wants to be in intimate, holy, and precious relationship with you? Maybe you're starting to get the picture. If not, Jesus actually gives us the sayings, which also also help us. If, if we go to the next, you can see that... Um, he says it like this, if, if a broken and faulty parent, if a broken and faulty parent knows how to give their kid a fish instead of a snake, I mean, really, we would hope so. If a broken and faulty parent knows the importance of giving a fish instead of a snake, an egg instead of a scorpion, how much more your heavenly Father, who is perfect, Our Heavenly Father, our God, who is healer and restorer and redeemer, who we just sang praises to because of who He is. You see, in the Lord's Prayer, in the parable, in these sayings, Jesus wants you and me to understand that our right relationship with a holy God is what matters in prayer. The fact that God loves you as a father loves his child, that is the foundation of prayer. When we acknowledge that that relationship is one of love, well, you don't have to fear when you're starting to pray. You don't have to worry about getting all the words in the right order anymore. I mean, he loves you. He loves you. And so you don't need to have that pressure of doing it more and doing it right, doing it perfectly. You see, there is no fear. There is no judgment. There is no intimidation in this relationship. There may be correction. There may be advice. There may be encouragement. But the relationship that you have with your Heavenly Father is one of love of charity and generosity because that's who God is. That belief, that conviction is what shapes our prayers. Your right relationship with God, a God of love and care and provision, is best understood when you look at Jesus himself, who is the one teaching I mean, bear in mind that at the end of this same gospel, at the end of Luke's gospel, Jesus will hang upon a cross. And do you know what he will do upon that cross? Pray for you. That's what he does. God himself. Hanging upon a cross, will stretch out his arms, will lift up his head, will open his lips, and through his body he will pray a prayer for you. That is the type of love 
that characterizes our Heavenly Father. One who loves that much. So, because he loves you that much, go ahead and ask. Ask shamelessly, in fact. Ask for what you need. You can express your your wants, your needs, your desires, your hurts, your pain. You can let your guard down. You can trust to know that he can handle whatever it is you've got to throw at him. Your relationship with God is so good. His love is so overwhelming that you don't need to worry about his feelings. Not because you don't care, but because the relationship is so good. He loves you that much that he can take whatever you have to throw at him. You can be truly honest and shameless in your prayers. Jesus wants you to know that prayer is less about saying the right prayer. And it is more about seeing your right relationship with a loving and caring Father. So don't worry about the perfect table, Grace. Lose the vending machine prayers. Instead, be authentic. Ask for help. Ask for faith. Trust Him with the big things and with the small. Pray to your God who loves you as a father loves his child. I'll conclude with this. To to all of you, uh, whoever received the question, do you believe in prayer? When someone asks you that question next, I will share with you what my response is. Do you believe in prayer? I believe in a God who hears my prayers. In fact, let me tell you about him. Would you please join me in prayer? Let's pray together. Blessed Father, make your name holy this day and always. Bring about your kingdom in our world and in this place. Please provide for our needs and the needs of our neighbors. Forgive us when we mess up. And give us courage to forgive others first. Please keep us safe in trial and in temptation. We ask this as your children as your children bought and paid for by the blood of your Son, Jesus the Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.